Welcome to Christian Mom Uncensored, a podcast for all the real mamas out there going through all the mama struggles, dealing with faith, family, finance, future, and so much. Let's get into this episode. Oh my gosh, you guys, this week, I have so much to say about so many things, starting with this last week of my pregnancy and giving you updates about that and faith and all of the things. And I'm really hoping that next week when I have an episode, I have a really cool story for you. But here's what's going on. So I have a scheduled induction for the day after tomorrow. And I have very mixed feelings about this. When I was pregnant with Elliot, you might remember that I also had a scheduled induction, but I feel like the way that I felt going into it was so different than the way I feel like I'm going into it this time. And I mean, like, I feel like I felt better last time and I don't know why. And it's just kind of bizarre because it's like, you've kind of been through this. And I think the reason why is because last time I was walking in to the hospital with a doula and with a plan. And before we got to the hospital all that day, I had been contracting. I My water broke a um, couple hours before the induction was supposed to be scheduled anyway. So by the time I got there, typically, like if you're getting induced, and you can do research. They might start you in like Cytotec or Cervidil or something to help like loosen your cervix. And you might get a Foley bulb and like all these things like to, to get you dilated. They want to get you dilated to a four and then start Pitocin, something like that. <clears throat> I didn't have to go through that experience because I walked in dilated and they and I walked in with my water broken and they were like, well, let's see where this goes. I did eventually get Pitocin. Um, and then shortly after that, Elliot was born. It was like a 12 hour labor start to finish. Um, which honestly in the grand scheme of all my labors is pretty good. And so honestly, I've only had two. So now for some reason, I think that this birth experience and this pregnancy and this end of trimester experience does feel hard. And I remember last time, and I remember, I vividly remember how I felt when I was pregnant with Mia, um, being miserable. And every day you're just like hoping and hoping and hoping the baby comes and you're doing all of the things. And I was so active with Elliot, like even though he was born in the pandemic, like every day walking on the track. And then with this pregnancy, I also kind of knew that a lot wasn't in my control because I had gestational diabetes. I was on insulin with Elliot um, and we were just doing our best. I saw my doula a couple times. We tried to do some different methods to get labor to start and it didn't. And now I'm in the same position where I'll be 40 weeks on Friday. The induction scheduled for Wednesday. So by the time you hear this episode there's a baby probably. Um, and the end of pregnancy is so hard. And here's where I've been struggling 
and where I'm kind of mad at myself for struggling. First things first is I'm completely miserable um, at the end of this pregnancy. It hurts to lay down. I've got like some pelvic girdle pain. It's like it hurts to I probably could see a chiropractor, but I'm not going to. There's just like there's not enough time, energy, hours in the day, but um, it hurts to lay down. And I don't remember hurting to lay down. I remember like very vividly having a really itchy belly, um, being like uncomfortable, but I don't remember feeling physical pain from like laying on one side or the other. And so when I'm sleeping, I'm laying on one side and then eventually it hurts and I have to roll over to my other side and it's very hard to roll over. Um, if you've ever been pregnant, you just know the end is just, oh, like it's just, it drags. And so what happens is during the day, I have energy, I feel relatively fine, a little discomfort, um, you know, just because I'm pregnant. And um, by the end of the day, once it's nighttime, I am in so much pain from doing all day. Um, and then I also, you know, I have a two-year-old and I have Mia, who's four, and Mia is such a gem. She says the funniest things. I'll tell you some of the things she told me today. Um, but, you know, Elliot, one, he's been the baby until now. And I think he senses, you know, he is all about rubbing my, rubbing my belly and cuddling. But things are really about to change for him. And I do think that, like, I know he'll survive the shift from, like, one kid not one kid, from two kids to three, but he's still such my baby, and um, even though he's two and a half, he really is a mama's boy, and so what has been kind of hard and frustrating with this week is there's a lot of things happening that are out of my control, which is why I really was trying to have a baby last week, and it's not all about schedule, right? Like, I can't make this little boy come any sooner than he wants to. But um, it would have been nice <laughs> if he was here last week because this week's literally insane. Um, and like I've said before, that's just the nature of parenting. You can't really make your kids do anything. You can't tell them who to be, how to, I mean, you can try to tell them how to act. Um, most of the time they don't listen, but <laughs> it's, it's really hard. So my mental state this week has been garbage because I, so for one, with this being my third baby, I haven't had a lot of time to think about my birth. Um, I told Ethan, and he's a great birth partner, um, some of the things that I wanted from, you know, for this birth and, you know, some of the choices I want to make, but with an induction, some of those choices are going to be a lot harder. Like, you know, if you don't want medical intervention, but you're basically starting with a medical intervention, it does get hard, right? And so that's frustrating. We haven't had time to sit down and work through pain management and pain techniques for him to kind of just know where to go. And we, and so maybe we'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> um, and because I really need him to be like focused. And I do think that 
because we had a doula and I will say the cool thing about having a doula is they are a support person for your partner as well. Like Ethan was fine napping when I was in labor with Elliot or sleeping. It was like the middle of the night because I had a doula. He's like, I just paid all this money for you. I'm going to go to sleep. And he went to sleep this time. It's like, Hey, you, he's like, if you're awake, I'm awake. And I'm like, okay, good. If you're asleep, I'm asleep. Okay, good. Um, and that's how it was when we had Mia. And so I kind of wanted to replicate that, but even like just have the two of us. But anyway, so mentally this week has been hard because, um, and if you have ever had multiple kids, I think that you, you understand this one, you know, this is the last couple days really where Elliot's the youngest, um, where he doesn't have to share me. I mean, he does because there's times where it's like Ethan would be like, mommy needs to rest with, for the baby or mommy needs to eat for the baby. Um, but he doesn't understand the concept of there's another human, right? Like he's two. How could he? And but at the same time, it's it's hard because, you know, I'm a co-sleeper. And so Elliot, we said that he was going to be in his bed. He hasn't. And I kind of haven't wanted to force it. Now, when the baby is born, things are going to change. I have a side sleeper bassinet, one for the baby. Um, and then two, uh, I, Ethan is going to go ahead and put Elliot in his bed and stay in the bedroom with him at night. So that way, if he does wake up, um, you know, for the first, you know, week or two however long it takes for him to to get into the routine of sleeping in his bed um he'll get used to it you'd be surprised how quickly they your kids really do well once you start like um enforcing them see here's the other thing i have like contractions but they're not they're not regular and so it kind of is frustrating so my mental state and i can talk through them see i'm clearly talking through it but okay my mental state is that every night you know every day I wake up and I'm like the baby could come today maybe and I go through my day and I do all these things and then the nighttime comes and I'm crying because the baby didn't come today and I know a lot of people go into labor at night I just for some reason don't see that happening this time for me I don't know um I went to labor at night with Mia but at night I'm uncomfortable and I'm dreading going to sleep because I'll tell you, I get up to pee a million times a night. I am, I can't even sleep comfortably. Elliot is in the bed um, and I want him there because I'm going to miss him when he's gone. But then he's also like, mommy cuddle and you know, all these things. I'm trying to roll over and he's asking me for water and it's a whole big thing. And then this week's just busy. So Mia has an art gala at school she has a field trip that her godparents are taking her to. Um, Elliot has a doctor's appointment on Ethan's birthday, which is the day that I'm scheduled to get induced. And so a couple of things are happening that are giving me anxiety. One, and I really need to just rebuke it and just speak like I'm going to have a fast labor. I'm going to start saying this. I'm going to have a fast labor delivery experience. I'm going to be happy and healthy. Um, and I haven't had time to like center ground and meditate with myself. And um, I have had time to like walk and pray. And I have been really trying to find more and more time to do that. I was working. I stopped working today. Today was my, I stopped at noon. And so that felt good, honestly, um, because it's going to give me time in the morning 
you know, for the next 48 hours before my induction to kind of focus inward and, and focus upward and um, really work on my faith situation because clearly my lack of faith is what has me stressed out, right? And so I feel bad because it's like on one hand, my fears are valid, right? My feelings are valid, but my God is bigger than that. And so I need to trust my God that's bigger than that. But it's also hard because there's so many what ifs and there's like all these things up in the air and all these factors that I really can't control. Um, one thing is that I don't want to be away from, from Elliot for three nights in a row. Um, it, that gives me anxiety because, you know, he slept over my mom's before for a night. Honestly, having to stay over for two nights sounds like fun. My gut is saying it might be three nights that I'm away. And I just think that, like, by the third night, he might be like, where's my mom? Um, and that breaks my heart. The other thing is he has a doctor's appointment. And so because he has a doctor's appointment, he's probably due for some immunization. And I don't want it on the day of my induction. So now I'm kind of like, I do baby my kids. I'm not going to lie. I'm a helicopter, cuddly mom that's like all up in her kid's business. And so, you know, if he gets some some shots and he doesn't feel well after, um, I, I baby him. Like if he feels if he feels sick. And I wonder if this is why men grow up to be babies when they're sick is because they're babied by their moms when they're sick. Well, I think I just unlocked something about men that I'm gonna have to work on but he's only two so I'll work on it when he's like five but you know I want him to be able to cuddle and I know he'll be able to like cuddle with my mom but it's not the same and so I'm like am I gonna be worried about you know Elliot while I'm in labor <laughs> and the answer is maybe um because that night he slept over my mom's for the first time I was like, oh, I hope he's okay. But I was like, but he has a sister. I'm really excited to just go to bed. I was so tired. I just went to sleep. Um, and so it's just a bunch of like things that are just making me nervous. I also, you know, want a safe and healthy vaginal delivery. Um, anytime that's threatened, it makes me nervous. And I know that my body and Pitocin... We did okay with Elliot. We did not do well with Mia. And so it's just like, I don't know how it's going to go. So anyway, the end of pregnancy is very much, you know, I've tried everything to make this baby come. You know, like I have walked. I have had sex. I have been doing the mile circuit. Um, I have been on the yoga ball for forever. I... Did I pumped like I used my pump and I honestly hate you know me I hate pumping um something I'm gonna have to do for this baby but like I really don't want to I prefer to just breastfeed all the way it's just so much easier um and the other day I what I told Ethan like I need to go clear my head and I need to just get away so I went for a walk and I was like god you're in control I really need to let go and it's hard because you hear like, well, you know, like if you if you're someone who has faith, like, OK, pray, let go. And then that's it. Don't worry about it. Go to sleep. No need to worry about it. 
And then for me, it's very much like I pray, like go, I'm, I'm in the zone. And then I start to panic or I start to worry. And so it's this like back and forth scenario where it's like, God, I trust you, but I'm scared. And like, can I trust you and be scared at the same time? Um, and I think the short answer is yes, you can trust God and still be scared. Like it'll all work out. I don't know how, and that makes me nervous, but I know it's going to work out. Um, and then my grandparents also leave for vacation this week. And so I kind of wanted to have my baby earlier so they could meet him. And it's just a whole bunch of little factors. Um, not to say like, you know, he could still come tonight, right? No, I'm kidding. I've kind of given up hope that he's going to come on his own. And it's like, well, then should I hold out hope? Or it's just like so confusing when it comes to like how you mentally handle situations when you're in a faith walk. Because it's like, if you know the song, like even if, like even if you don't, like I feel like that's where I'm at, where it's like it would be really amazing if everything happened naturally. Like my labor started naturally, at least. <laughs> Let's say I have to go in and they're like, oh, great, you're, you're progressing. And, you know, my biggest thing is I don't want to have to sit to walk in and be a centimeter dilated. I've done that before with Mia, though, and it, it ended up working out. <sighs> okay, I'm rambling. Um, but the end is really hard. And poor Ethan's like, it's going to be fine. You're, we don't really need to worry. And he's like, you're so stressed. The baby's not going to come if you're stressed. That's true. But... I don't know. I have three kids to worry about and I worry about them a lot. Okay, so I'm about 24 hours from giving birth and I've been seeing a lot of things online which have been really good reminders that God is in control, that um, his ways are better than my ways, his plans are bigger and better than my plans. And so instead of kind of panicking about having this induction, I'm just going to go and trust that it's going to be great. This is going to be an amazing birth. Um, and I don't have to be worried or stressed or um, overly concerned with how things are going to turn out because in the end, God's got me. And I think it's because I've gone through this before that I'm nervous. But honestly, I've only had good experiences before. So I'm expecting to have a good experience now. We're putting that energy into the atmosphere. But um, I will update you all on the birth of our handsome, beautiful, gorgeous baby boy, our third, our third baby, our second son, our last child. <laughs> and I'll tell you guys all about that. Um, probably next week. I have no idea what postpartum is going to look like, but probably next week. So I was thinking about seasons and friendships. And um, when I was pregnant with Elliot, I was friends with another um, lady who was pregnant at the same time and we were like besties and I mean like we did a lot together we texted every day I saw her often but she wasn't um and the breakup of our our relationship hurt right like it was a friendship and I think that as adults we don't first of all as adults it's hard to figure out friendships navigating friendships as an adult for some reason is hard and I think it's always been hard even as kids like you think like oh Julie just said she doesn't like me anymore and then you cry as adults it's different because 
like there's like a couple of different types of friendships you have as adults and you have to like maintain those and then each type of friendship or relationship comes with different expectations there's like childhood friends that are just like your comfort go-to people that you know you expect to be at certain things or um you know you have to like kind of figure out how that is um then there's friendships you make as adults, which I think are a little more complicated because you kind of have to do the groundwork. It's kind of like dating. Like, what are your political beliefs? Because that, for some reason, can end friendships. Um, what do you like to do? What is the basis of our friendship? Is our friendship basis, you know, we meet every week at the park and we talk about our kids? Or is it that we have a lot in common? Or, you know, anyway, friendships are complicated. But I've been really blessed. Um, I have an, a, a really close mama bestie um Soraya she I met her um in September and um she's Pisces like I am she's a giver like I am she's like a beautiful soul and I literally prayed for a mom friend who would get it that I could be like completely honest with too because you know sometimes you make mom friends and they have it all together not that she doesn't but you know like they they just seem like you couldn't vent to them about your kids I can vent to her about my kids you know they drive me crazy god bless them i love them i'm gentle parenting as much as they are gentle childrening but they drive me crazy and i think we all need that person and i'm slowly seeing a new community form in my life where i do desire to have like another mom group and to to make a place um you know for um for mamas where in my area because I, I do feel like as much as I've talked about moving to Georgia um, if I do not <laughs> in fact move to Georgia I want to stay right where I'm at and so putting down roots in this community just feels like what it is that I'm supposed to do right now and if things change things change um, but yeah it's just um, it's interesting so I want to completely shift gears and talk about something um, that I think a lot of us parents don't want to think about or don't want to admit and um, that as adults, a lot of us need and it's therapy. Um, I'm not going to get too into any one of my personal people's lives, but, you know, someone close to me is going to therapy and needs, um, it's just working through figuring out themselves figuring out who they are um working through emotional struggles and I've talked openly on the podcast about things I've struggled with um from eating disorders from like a suicide attempt in college from um you know anything else that I have gone through those are like the two biggest things um and I think that my mom said something funny to me the other day she said her friend told her don't ever ask your kids why they're in therapy because the answer is it's probably because of you. And it got me thinking that as parents, we always go through life with the best intentions, right? We want the best things for our kids. We want to, to have them survive in this world and to thrive and to be morally sound. Um, but something, sometime at some point, you're going to mess up and it's something that they're going to remember and um, they may or may not have to go to therapy over it. And honestly, I think it's not your business 
what they end up going into therapy for if it's your kid and they're an adult. I will say that. Um, but we all do our best. And so as I was talking to my mom about this, I was like, you know, or I was as I was thinking about it, childhood trauma or childhood things can really affect and shape who you become. And something that I have kind of struggled with in a way that it's like, God, help me not to be this way. And then also like, I want, I never wanted an only child. Um, And I know that some people have one kid, not by choice. Like that's just the way it happened or, you know, um, but I intentionally, if people are like, oh my gosh, you have three kids. No, I intentionally, well, I always intended, I'll say that, I've always intended to have three children. Um, Ethan and I have actually always discussed having three children. Now, the closeness in age was going to be spaced out, but looking at it now, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, And I wanted my, my kids to have siblings because I think there's life lessons you get from siblings that you don't get when you don't have siblings. And, um... Even like watching Mia take care of Elliot, like Elliot is sad um, and she takes care of it. Elliot wants a snack. She gets a snack. If she gets herself a snack, she brings him a snack too. Like little things like that where, you know, if you only, only ever had yourself when you become an adult and a partner and you go to get a snack, you might think about your partner or you might just get yourself a snack and sit down and it's no big deal. But if you had a brother or sister and you're used to kind of like thinking, oh, does anyone else need anything? It's different. <laughs> um, and so I am thankful for my kids and their relationships. And Elliot is the exact same way too. Like if he has his drink, he gets me a her drink. Um, they learn from each other so well. I think it's really sweet. If Mia's sad, he tries to make her feel better. Um, and so I imagine that, you know, in a month or two, Elliot will transition fine as a big brother. I think the biggest thing is he wants me to hold him all the time. Um, He's still very much a baby, like I've said. But I think that he's going to grow up a little bit in these next couple of days. Um, Today, we went out to eat kind of like as our last outing as a family of four. And let me just say that men and women are very different. Moms and dads are very different. And no matter how much you and your spouse have in common, which actually isn't a lot for me and mine, that doesn't mean we think the same way. And I want to talk about that now, like marriage, spouse, and thinking. Uh, Let's talk about it. So just like when I was pregnant with Elliot, in the last week of my pregnancy, with him, because I again, I also was scheduled to be induced with my water broke that day. Hooray, it was a magical, beautiful birth. But um, I wanted the last week of Mia, if it just being me and Mia. I mean, and yes, Ethan as well, but he, he works, you know, he works longer hours than I do to be special. And so we were at the pumpkin patch. I took her to build a bear. We went and got ice cream. We went to the aquarium. Like we did all of these little things just with her. And so 
I realized I was going to work up into my, my due date, um, but I stopped on Monday. I'm getting induced Wednesday. I feel like that's fine. And um, I wanted just like some moments of it, like this is the last time that's just going to be us four. And it's not like it's a bad thing or it's a sad thing, but it is a transitional thing. And so I was telling Ethan, like, I want to go do this or this or this or this. And um, we just settled on lunch. And he was like, I don't, I would never think like, oh, let's do this as the last time as a family of four. Like, okay. Like we knew we were having another kid. And so like things just don't matter to to him the way they matter to me. And also like I'm a mom, I'm emotional. Um, but here is something I will say that I think is important when it comes to marriage and communication. Um, because I have been with my husband for over 10 years. Okay. So like for over, for almost 11 years actually. And so we know each other pretty well. And, you know, I know little things that make him happy. I know little things that make him annoyed. I know like what to expect from him, but there is something to be said about commitment and little promises. And this is something that I think is important in marriage. I think is important in friendships. I think it is important um, in general with people is that you keep your word. And the older I get, and even like as I am who I am now, the importance of you keeping your word, no matter how big or how small to me is important. And it does make me a little harsh when it comes to these types of things. And I think it's because I'm a mom and I'm a parent. And I think about that when it comes to my children. Um, and I can tell that even for between Ethan and I, he doesn't think about it as hard as I do. So for instance, if I tell Mia, we're going to go get ice cream this afternoon, and then it starts raining and we have to clean and we have other things to do. And I say, you know what, Mia, I know I said we were going to get ice cream, but I promise we'll do it tomorrow. I don't like things like that. No, I don't like it. I do not like it. You don't know how many times, how many times I have forced myself to do something because I promised my child I would do it or I told my kid I would do it because keeping your word is important to me. And I don't know where that stems from. There's probably something, like I was talking about therapy, something in my child, there's something that 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 stand, that makes me this way because I'm that way with friendships too, where there was a period, and I won't say I'm, always, I'm, not, I'm perfect at this or like I'm good at it or I don't make excuses or I don't cancel plans because life does happen and I have kids. And so plans get canceled. Believe me, people, I'll change my mind. Never mind. I can't go to brunch. I'd rather stay home. I'm too tired. Things like that happen, but they happen far less than when I was younger. And I felt like, "Mm, whatever, I can just kind of reschedule. "Mm, I can't make it. Um, and I will tell you one of my very best friends has this, this problem where We'll make plans or we'll say we're going to hang out or we're going to say we're going to do something. I always, one, assume that she's going to be later than she is. And two, assume that she might not even come at all and don't prepare for her to come until she tells me she's on the way. Because it, that's the rep, that's the like, um, 
reputation she's gotten with me. I love her. Love her to death. But the girl's flaky. Like, I don't know if you're really going to make it or not. And I know life happens. But I'm just saying. And so when it comes to the little things, it is... This is like... like Um, this is like a contraction, y'all, but it's, it's fine because I'm clearly talking through it and it's not a regular thing. Um, but I, okay, um, one second, I could stop recording, but this is real life, right? Now. Okay, I'm going to just try to keep talking. Um, I lost my train of thought, of course. <laughs> what was I talking about? Oh, keeping your word. Okay, so hold on. Okay, so I feel like it's important that you show up and that you keep your word 100% with your kids. Now, that doesn't mean that things don't happen. Okay, because I, I do sound kind of strict, like you always have to do something. I'll tell you, for instance... Last week, I went over to my friend's house, my mama friend, and our plan was to go to the park. Um, but it was like later in the afternoon. I worked that day, so I didn't get off till three thirty. We weren't over at her house till four, and we were gonna go to the park. But so I get there and um, to her house, and we we didn't plan on leaving right away. I was like, I'm gonna come over for a few minutes. Like I'll come over, hang out for a bit, and then we'll go to the park. Mia wanted to play in their playroom and she wanted to go in their house because she was like, I haven't been to their house since, um, Emery's birthday party. And I was like, okay, well, we'll go pop by and we'll kind of feel it out. So we're there and her kids eat early and my kids used to eat early. Like we used to be an early eating family, like five o'clock. And now I'm, we're much later family eating dinner family now. And it ends up just working better. I used to be, I used to judge parents. Oh my gosh, random side tangent. I used to think like, cause I used to eat dinner every day at 4.30, like 4.35 o'clock. And then we pushed it like, let's just try to do dinner at 5.30 and then do bed. Now we are like six o'clock, 6.15 dinner eaters. Um, sometimes I don't eat until like 6.37. Um, the kids, because I normally eat after the kids, which is a thing because it's like half family dinner time. And there are times I'll eat when they eat, but it's way more peaceful to feed my kids and then feed myself because they've eaten, they're done, they're playing. Now I can sit and eat, um, which drives my husband somewhat crazy, but it drives me crazy to to be interrupted because it's like inevitably when you're feeding your kids, it's like, mom, I want more strawberries. Mom, I want more mac and cheese. Mom, I spilled my water. Mom, I need a napkin. And so, like, I could give you strawberries, have a napkin on deck, we have a fresh, like, fresh full water bottle ready for you or cup, and something will happen. I'm going to have to get up and get interrupted. And I don't want to be interrupted when I'm eating. I want to enjoy my meal. And so, um, yeah, I'll eat after my kids. But... um. Anyway, so we went to my friend's house, and so her kids ate, and my kids didn't, because we were going to go home and eat dinner anyway, and so then it ends up being like 5, 
5.35.45. And our plan was to go hang out, then go to the park. And so I'm asking, like, do you still want to go to the park? And she's like, yeah, I mean, we can go to the park. And I can tell that we both don't want to go to the park, but I told Mia we were going to the park. And so even though it's late and my kids haven't had dinner, I gave them snacks in the car and was like, we're going to have to have dinner. We're not having dinner until like 6.30 tonight. And now, now I feel like that's really late. Um, considering that we still have to do bath and bedtime and all of that stuff. We go to the park, let them play for 20 minutes, and then we leave. But anyway, if it were up to me at 5.30, at that 5.30 time when I was like, should we go to the park? I would have been like, I'm going to head home. And I would have just, you know, been home a half an hour earlier and all of that. Long story short is even if it is inconvenient for me, and even if it doesn't always make sense, if I can keep my word, I will. And I, it's just important and I don't know where that comes from. And so what I realized was happening in my marriage is, and this is just a marriage relationship tip in general, is things that seem small or things that seem like they don't matter, matter. So like, for instance, if you tell me, hey, babe, I'm going to do the dishes. Don't worry about it. Then I expect that before I go to bed or before you go to bed, that you've done the dishes. Now you could think, you know, it's not a big deal if you don't get to it tonight. In the morning, I'll get to it. Um, sometimes this is how, this is like the truth of my marriage. We're like, you know, I'll get to it at lunchtime. But you told me you were gonna do it, and so that kind it kind of like breaks my trust in you doing what you need to do to 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 be helpful or whatever you say. And so I um. Like, if I tell you I'm going to fold the laundry, then I'm going to go fold the laundry. And I have learned that, um, you know, I used to be a procrastinator. I'm not anymore. And my husband is. And it's a very different life where, you know, if I see something that needs to be done, I want it done now. Because if I can get it done now, it's be, you know, then it's done. I don't have to worry about doing it later when a kid needs me, someone has something going on like if I see something and I can do it I'll do it um and so like little things like that are important if you say you're gonna switch the laundry switch the laundry and I tried to explain this to to Ethan because I was getting frustrated because when I have a task to do it's inevitably for a good reason I don't just want the dishes to be done because I hate having a dirty kitchen I want them to be done because in the morning I'm going to have to cook breakfast, which means I'm going to need to get a pan out to cook eggs. I'm going to have to get a plate for plates for the kids to, to eat on. I'm going to have to get silverware for them to eat with. And if the sink is full, how am I going to cook and clean up, you know? And so I think about that type of stuff ahead. Same with laundry. If I ask you to switch it, it's not just because the clothes are dirty. It might be because I know that Mia's out of socks and she's going to need socks before she goes to school tomorrow. Um, and it's like little things like that. And so my frustration was getting like, you don't see the behind the scenes reasons why. It's not just because, and if you're going to volunteer to take a task, like do it, volunteer and do it. Otherwise don't volunteer. Um, and it got to, it got to that point. And so when it comes to relationships and communication, that's where the importance comes in. And so I had to have a conversation and say, Hey, this is why I get really, really mad or really, really frustrated when this, this, this doesn't happen because 
you know, they always say if you want something right, do it yourself. For me, it's like if you want something on time, do it yourself. And so these evening contractions, y'all, are so annoying. Um, because they're not like here's what's been happening. Wait, I said I was gonna talk about baby or labor, but here comes one right now. Um, is that in the evening, and I think this is prodromal labor, I get these contractions, right? And I'm like, are these Braxton Hicks? Are these real? No, I get Braxton Hicks all day. These are like a little more intense than Braxton Hicks. Um, and maybe they still are technically Braxton Hicks. They're just like more intense. So the other night I was getting these like pretty regularly and like kind of whining through them, you know, like not really moaning through them, like for real, but like kind of like, this kind of hurts. And so I started timing them. They're about like every 10 minutes. And I'm like, okay, that's a good start. Cause like, if it's like every 10 minutes ish, then like maybe it's coming. And then they just, I, I decided to go to bed and they stopped. Um, but it's annoying because every night this happens. It's like I've been busy, busy, busy all day. And then this happens and it's uncomfortable. But it doesn't matter because one more day of this, one more day of this, and I'm done. Anyway, so keep your promises because it does affect the way people see you. Even like there was like one day um, I suggested to go to brunch with friends and I love hanging out with these girls. It's just the act of getting dressed and leaving the house and doing something is hard. And I also kind of felt like mixed emotions about, about these people, about these girls, um, for different reasons, but I was like, let me go to brunch. Let me just hang out. Let me connect, um, despite my feelings. And the day of brunch comes and I'm like, babe, I'm canceling. And he's like, you can't cancel. And I didn't, I didn't, we went to brunch. Um, because I feel like it's important to show up when you can. Now there have been times where I was going to go to brunch and then Elliot has a fever and I'm not leaving him. And it's like, Oh, he'll be okay for a so anyway, there's so much going on in the world, um, but I'm going to go because I just need to drink some water and lay down. This baby is moving around like crazy and I'm just uncomfortable and tomorrow is induction day, but I did just want to update you guys on all of that. Um, I will update you all soon with hopefully a handsome and healthy baby boy. Pray for me. Um, but for a healthy labor and delivery experience. And I do want to say before I go, though, um, that I was, you know, I've, I've, I dealt with gestational diabetes this pregnancy and I dealt with it my last pregnancy. But the difference between this one and the last one is like night and day. I don't have to be on insulin. I didn't have to be on insulin with this one. I did with my first. Um, I kind of knew what to eat because I was already eating like low carb before I got pregnant because I was trying to like get have a hot mom bod for 30 but then I got pregnant sorry and so that didn't really work out but um completely like a night and day difference and it's just like you know God is healer it he really is um I've been able to eat things I shouldn't like like for instance spaghetti so the whole thing with gestational diabetes is carbs and, um, yes, sugar, but like carbs. And so like to be able to eat like white pasta spaghetti 
is a big deal. I could barely do cauliflower pizza last time. And so I crock-potted spaghetti last week. So good. I'm going to do it. That's actually going to be my pre-induction meal is spaghetti because I feel like it's a good, like athletes eat spaghetti before a big game. So I'm going to eat spaghetti before labor. Um, I was like, let's go out and have steak. No, I don't think I want to have steak. I want to eat something that's going to give me energy. Um, but also I'm very aware that during transition I could throw up. And so I don't want to be throwing up steak, you know, that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, completely different experience, and I'm thankful for that. So if God could, can make this experience better, this labor could be amazing. So pray for me. Um, I will talk to you guys very, very soon. Very, very soon I'll hold a baby. I'm very excited. I'm nervous. I'm anxious. Um, and so I'm going to go to bed and get some rest and do some last-minute things around the house tomorrow before tomorrow night. And I will... See you all soon. Take care. I love you. Bye.